Hey guys, you're listening to The Furrow, a podcast for Catholic men by Catholic men. On today's show, we conclude our series of conversations on the art of living and the need for raising up men of truth. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Furrow, a podcast where we discuss all things relevant to faith, fatherhood, and being Catholic men. As always, I'm joined by my awesome co-hosts, Cameron Davis and Father Robert McTague. Gentlemen, I know it's been a busy few weeks. My schedule's been pretty chaotic. I'm sure yours has been as well. How's everyone holding up? Well, as the poet said, what a long, strange trip it's been, you know, juggling plates, putting up <laughs> fires, wrestling alligators. Um, you know, I've started working full time as host and producer for the Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. And uh, I'm, I'm loving it, but it, it takes everything out of me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to do it. And um, I'm glad to share the ministry of the word with you guys. And I'm, I'm glad to be back in the saddle with you all again. Well, I'm glad uh, you have that a little, a uh, few extra ounces to, uh, to to give to us uh, as well. At the end of the day, <laughs> such a long day, so we're we're even more grateful. Uh, Cam, how about you? It's uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Glad to be back to some sense of normalcy. Um, but I do want to start <laughs> off on a bit of a somber note. I do want to let our listeners know that have uh, family and friends in the Pittsburgh area that our prayers are with you all after that tragedy at that synagogue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As the uh, being an avid Pittsburgh Sioux fan, we have adopted in this household. You know, we are stronger than hate, and as Catholic men, as a society, um, we are because we believe in a God, a God of love. So, with that, we will get into the show. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. So for today's show, you know, not only will we actually uh, be concluding our series of conversations on the art of living, but this is sadly, unfortunately, is is the is officially the final episode of season two of the furrow. Sad and face. Of course, it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, if I had a little emoji, sad face emoji, I'll post that. But but you know, of course, at the same time, you know, if the good Lord wills, uh, we hope to be back again with all of you in 2019 for season three. You know, along with a whole new lineup of edifying discussions for all of you, our faithful listeners. And uh, this will actually give us a, a lot of time to really pray and reflect on uh, on topics that we want to um, to bring to the table for season three. But now over the course of the last two episodes, we've really navigated some really heavy terrain in our discussions and our reflections on this theme, the art of living which is based on a collection of the lectures of renowned Catholic philosopher Dietrich von Hildebrand uh, from the 1930s, where he describes for us what it means to live a truly fulfilling life, but more importantly, what it means to live a morally upright life. Now, in our initial conversation, we laid the foundation to the art of living by reflecting on the need for cultivating a greater reverence in our culture for life and all being. In other words, appreciating all beings and things as they are, which ultimately translates over to our worship and reverence for God, who is the creator and author of all life and is being himself. And so in our second conversation, 
we took up um, the discussion on the need for cultivating more faithful men. And it's not just in the simple sense of fidelity to one's friend or spouse, but being men of conviction, uh, which ultimately really serves as the perfect segue to today's topic in the art of living. And that is being men of truth, men who pursue and defend truth at all costs. Now, I'm sure you guys will agree with me that we live in a society today where truth is often viciously attacked and where no, where, where really one is willing to even commit violence, uh, against, against anyone, uh, if they feel it's necessary. And I think sadly, we're even experiencing this aversion to truth in the church today as well. So what do you guys think? is really the origin of this hatred of truth in our society and how how can we oppose it as Catholics, but also as heads of our households and shepherds of souls? Well, guys, I'm I'm wearing my professor philosophy hat right now, but I've got my, my theology badge on my hat and my pastoral <laughs> badge uh, as well. Uh, our blessed Lord said, said, said that he himself is the way, the truth, and the life. He is mm. the Logos. He is the word of the Father, the only begotten Son. So he himself is, is, is truth itself. Uh, truth isn't right. a proposition and it's not an idea and it's not a concept. It, it's our blessed Lord. So ultimately, the hatred of truth is a spiritual matter. Now, there are some who hate the truth because the truth is Christ himself. And there are others who hate the truth because truth gives definitions. It becomes a standard by which we live. And some people would say, well, great, if I have definitions, ultimately, I know who I am and and Mm. what I'm for, and I can pursue what is good for me. And other people say, wait a minute, if I can know truth, I can know who I am and what I'm for, and I have to admit that some things are bad for me, even if I want them. Mm. And so uh, we ha- you have a lot of people with PhDs and very long resumes who have the morality of a two-year-old. I want what I want when I want it. And guys, you've raised young children. When your kid is having a hissy fit, even before your kid can talk, and your kid's saying, ah! because you're moving them away from the hot stove. What are they really saying is, my sovereign will, my sovereign will, submit to my sovereign will. And that's part of, of the human condition is we have a rage that reality is reality on its own terms. So that, that's the first part is there's part of us that hasn't matured past the age of being 18 months old and we want what we want when we want it and we scream and kick. If we don't later, we get older and we still want what we want when we want it, but we, we write dissertations and we get tenure. So that's – Oh, gosh. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. That, so that's at the intellectual level. Uh, but the mm. real issue is, is the spiritual uh, issue and you can go all the way back to the ancient ancient Greeks. You go back to Epicurus, who is a hedonist. You know, uh, it's a life of pleasure. And we're not talking about, you know, Nikki Six from Motley Crue saying, I'm into <laughs> rock and roll for, for, for the sex and the drugs and the babes. No, I mean, he, he wants pleasures that are refined, that don't involve uh, hangovers or angry mobs and so on. 
But for him, the ultimate buzzkill is to be accountable to a divine principle that he can't control. Mm. And and so for the sake of a pursuit of pleasure, he works out a whole philosophy that rejects the, the divine and the transcendent. Well, he also then undercuts uh, morality because if you don't have mm. an enduring ultimately triumphant standard of good to which all are accountable, then you don't have the problem of evil anymore. You only have the, the fact of pain. Mm. And, and in more recent times, we see Nietzsche with, with the triumph of the will. I mean, Nietzsche, Nietzsche was crazy, but he wasn't stupid. And he right. knew that if he cleared reality of all definition, of all meaning, if you had just a blank screen to play on, then th there would be – that becomes – reality becomes a field for unlimited expressions of will. And we see this in, in small but very significant ways today. Yeah, I, I was born in the wrong kind of body or I'm feeling gender right. fluid today. Or my hmm. body, my choice. Uh, who's to say what's right and what's wrong? So uh, all the, the narcissistic forms of, of relativism and hedonism, etc., ultimately are uh, a, a hatred of the truth because truth not only sets us free but holds us accountable. And if you don't mm. believe in the goodness of God and if you don't believe in the mercy of God – what else can you do but rage? So I would say a, a hatred of truth and the madness that comes from it that we see playing out in, in the cultural sphere and the political sphere, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, that's all a dress rehearsal for hell. I'm, I'm really quite no serious. Kidding. This is not hyperbole. The, the yeah. hatred of truth and the rage against those who know the truth and cling to the truth, that's a foreshadowing of hell. Uh, so along those lines, right, if you think about the hatred of truth, right, it has to start somewhere. If we look at the flow of the three, the two topics that we've talked about already, right, we talked about reverence, which is acknowledging the goodness and the truth that exists in something else, right? So we have to humble ourselves, right? So a hatred mm -hmm. of truth says, well, I don't want to have to humble myself to anything. I don't want to be subject to anything because I am my own person, right? I am, I can define truth as it is. And since I no longer have reverence for what exists, what's already there. What am I faithful to? Am I faithful to myself? Well, that's easy. I can just do what I want. I want what I want when I want it, so on and so forth, as Father McTeague was describing. But I think if we take it a step further, right, and we talk about that hatred of truth, and you hit on it when you were talking about uh, relativism, Father McTeague, it's that if I believe in this truth, if I humble myself to say that this is real, then I have to accept the consequences of understanding and believing in that truth. Mm -hmm. But if I need to justify something in my life that I don't want to give up, all I simply have to do is deny this is truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where it snowballs, right? If we have a lack of reverence for what exists and then we turn it into, well, I can justify this for myself because I don't have to believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that I can do it my own way then we cease to believe that truth exists and there is no truth. And thus, I hate truth. And, and a rejection of truth becomes uh, a form of idolatry. You know, we mm -hmm. worship our own preference and, and we worship our own whim. You know, uh, 
and anyone who, who's taught, especially in the humanities for any length of time, will inevitably have some 18-year-old kid sitting in the classroom, points out the window and, and refers to that as the real world. And I'd say, no, 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 the term <laughs> the real world, that's an honorific. Uh, what you're pointing to is the realm of common experience. The real world is what we're doing in the class- classroom with truth and beauty and goodness and virtue, et cetera. And again, the 18-year-old mm. goes on and says, well, like, you know, like, like we all have like <laughs> our own reality and stuff. And like you have your reality and like I have mine. <laughs> And I said, well, let us grant that for now. Uh, Why is it that you picked a reality where too much beer gives you a hangover, too much chocolate makes you fat? And why, oh, why would you ever pick a reality where the cutoff for an A in this class is a 95? Mm. Isn't that poor planning on your part? And why is it that in your reality, in my reality, we both fall out the window at the same rate of speed? And then, the, mm. well, guys, let me tell you something. I, I, I took a, a final exam in an ethics class when I was a, a senior in college thousands of years ago, and we had to write a commentary <laughs> on this parable. And the parable goes, it's like uh, a, a journalist is interviewing three baseball umpires, and they ask each gentleman, how do you know which are balls and which are strikes? And the first umpire says, well, some's are balls and some's are strikes, and I calls them as I sees them. And the second says, sums the balls and sums the strikes, and I calls them as they is. And the third says, sums the balls and sums the strikes, and they ain't nothing till I call them. Mm. Now, the first one, I calls them as I sees them. That's a relativism, and you have your perspective, and I have my perspective, and we really don't get anywhere. And the third mm. umpire, they ain't nothing till I call them. That, that's nominalism. Uh, and a debonair nihilism masquerading as postmodernism that uh, va- values are just statements of, of preference, ultimately mm. tied to a will to power. But it's in the second uh, umpire, um, I, uh, I calls them as they is. So, and this is what the work of conscience, conscience has, has a subjective dimension. I call them. And then mm-hmm. there is an objective dimension as they are. I am conforming myself to the standard of right. good and evil that exists outside of myself. And we are absolutely not teaching people how to do that anymore. I mean, there are already serious conversations uh, about science and STEM disciplines being misogynist and racist. Wow. Well, hmm. what, this what, is a what, fundamental what misunderstanding. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what science is, right? right? It's, you know, it's kind of like how you mentioned, you know, we fall out of the, the house at the same rate of speed. You know, we, you drink too much, you're going to get hung over. I mean, there are things that exist in our world today that they just are. There's no way to describe them, but as they actually are, and you can't redefine them. Like, yep, you know what? We fall at 9.8 meters per second squared. Done. Mm. And, and I thought about this after watching young Sheldon, um, and as we know, Sheldon <laughs> Cooper is an atheist, right? But he made the comment that if we fell, or if the rate of gravity was any stronger, the world would implode on itself. Hmm. So if you want to sit there and try to tell me that truth doesn't exist, that somehow magically the world and all of its grandeur picked the right amount of gravity to make us have sustainable life on this world... 
Uh huh. Yeah, that just happened by accident. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we, we live in a very, very finely tuned cosmos. And uh, I, I urge all of our listeners to look up some of the writings of a great Jesuit, Father Robert Spitzer, S P I T Z E R, a genius and a polymath who helped me to find my vocation when I, I was a doctoral student. And he has a lot of great videos and a lot of great articles explaining. Number one, if you want to pick the best century to be alive in, where uh, science is in harmony with the faith, you would want to pick the 21st century. But he makes it really clear that it's mathematically impossible that all the absolutely fine-tuned variables that that are, are set uh, where a, a hair trigger in either direction and you've lost the cosmos. You see, that can't mm-hmm. happen by chance. No, absolutely. And I would even, uh, um, I would also recommend his documentary, Cosmic Origins, um, which is, uh, by Father, by Father Spitzer. That's, uh, I think it was put out by Ignatius Press. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll include links to that at, the, um, in the description of, uh, of this episode. But guys, I want to go, I want to go back to, uh, to Hildebrand's lecture because I think kind of what, uh, what Father, you've summed up and, 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 and Cameron has followed up with beautifully is, uh, you know, one of, one of my favorite lines actually in this lecture by Hildebrand is where he says that, the truthful man, and I'm quoting him here, places the demands of values. And I think the, the term values for Hildebrand I'm thinking here is objective truth, objective reality. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he places the demands of values above every subjective wish prompted by his selfishness or his comfort. He would rather know the most bitter truth than enjoy an imaginary happiness. And so when I when I read this, I thought to myself, really, this is the epitome of of the cross. This is the man who is convinced and convicted by a truth that is not his own and has been called to something greater than himself and really who is willing to lay down his life for it no matter the cost. And at the same time, this also brings to mind the opposing view uh, of the cross of Christ, really, in the story that we see unfolding in the life of the rich young man. And unfortunately, really, I think is a story that we're witnessing before our eyes today unfolding, uh, even in the uh, the events in the church. Uh, this man who's convinced himself that he possesses everything he needs to be saved, yet when he's confronted by truth itself in the person of Jesus— who says to him, yet you still lack one thing. The young man, he, he's, it's impossible for him to handle the impact of that statement. And so he simply walks away. And I think, guys, unfortunately today, it appears people are more concerned about not offending or insulting another person's perception, quote unquote, of truth. But at what point does this fall short of charity? You know, how, how can we really ultimately help orient others to the truth and to teach them that truth is more than just what's in our heads, that it's, that it's a reality as we've, as, as you've said, Father, and as Cameron's you've also said, that it's a reality outside that we must conform to. Well, you're, you're raising some, some really challenging questions. And we, uh, I, I recommend that our, our listeners, uh, go on YouTube. And w- one of my YouTube heroes is Bill Whittle. W-H-I-T-T-L-E. And I think he has a, a video called The Republic of Emotions or The Republic of, of Sentiments. And, and he addresses that in a very memorable way, uh, as he often does. But we're in a situation now 
where, where feelings trumps all. Let me give you an example. When I was a young Jesuit scholastic, I was studying theology in, in Europe, and uh, I had a course on ecclesiology, and I had to give a presentation. And I ended the presentation with a quote from uh, an interview with the author Walker Percy, when someone said, "You know, yeah, you know, you you're." You're an old man. Why are you still Catholic? And his answer was, what else, what else is there? Well, after the seminar, sister pulled me aside and said, you know, Hans is from Germany and he's Lutheran. And how do you think he feels? And I said, I don't know. He didn't tell me. But I suppose his feelings depend on what his commitment to the truth is. Mm. Uh, now, go forward. I'm, I'm a young priest. I'm celebrating Mass at a university. And I really wanted to, to concelebrate Mass publicly that day because it was the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. You know, the march is going on in Washington. And the main celebrant says to me in the sacristy, oh, by the way, today's Tuesday. So it's Sally's day to distribute Holy Communion. So you just sit there. And I said, no. I was ordained <laughs> to be the ordinary minister of Holy Communion. Sally uh, is the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. There is no need for her extraordinary service. God bless her for her generosity. She can sit down. And he said, well, how do you think she'll feel? And I said, well, if you <laughs> taught her properly, she'll feel just fine. And if you didn't teach her properly, I'm not going to have the church pay Sally's emotional bills because you were a slacker. Wow. Uh, I, I don't get Christmas cards from anyone involved in, in that story, but that's okay. Because ultimately we, we have to say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, mm. I, look, I don't want to walk to Calvary and I don't want to be nailed with Christ and die. I really don't. But <laughs> what's the alternative? Right. What's Hell. the real alternative? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how, how can we count ourselves honorable men if we don't follow in his footsteps? Mm. You know, I, I think really, guys, uh, the timing of this conversation really couldn't be more perfect. Um, and I, this comes to mind, uh, Cameron, you know, because in our our local men's group, you know, really for the past, I want to say, eight months or so, or we're going into eight months. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been watching and studying this series on moral relativism uh, with Dr. Ed Shree of the Augustine Institute. And um, the, the series is called Who Am I to Judge? And now now in it, Dr. Shree, he makes this distinction, which I think you've you've just made their father is between the modern worldview and the classical worldview. And so according to the modern worldview, we tend to think of truth in terms of whether A is more true than B, or if B seems a little more true than A, you know, this, this is where I think we really go down a deep rabbit hole, uh, as you've kind of uh, alluded to in, in what you just said, father. However, according to the classical worldview, truth is not so much about what is true as, as it is about who or to what end am I to orient my life? I think because when you begin to think in terms of the classical worldview, there really isn't much room for a subjective view of truth, life and being. There, there is but one truth outside of us, and we are ultimately to conform to it, not in this, in a mechanical way, you know, just because two plus two equals four, but because truth is a person. And this is why I love the way Hildebrand concludes this lecture by saying that the responsible man is not ruled by only an impersonal world of values, but by a personal judge who is the sum of all values, 
and to whom we will have some day to render an account. And so the significance of truth, like that of reverence and faithfulness that we've all covered, extends to every aspect of our lives and really is the requisite in the formation of a genuine moral life. Um, so guys, what, what advice, I mean, for, for the guys that are listening right now, you know, I, I think, uh, we can all think of, of a whole variety of, of examples of, uh, of truth being oppressed in our culture. But what advice could we possibly offer to our listeners, um, in this, in this, our final episode, uh, those who are husbands, fathers, priests, seminarians, all in their pursuit of truth and in their efforts to form themselves, their families and their flock. Oh, boy. You know, Brandon, as you were talking about, uh, as you were reading from from von Hildebrand about truth and, you know, the the just judge, etc., I'm going to be a little controversial here. I'm going to stick my neck out. I encourage everyone to read the three letters made public by Archbishop Vigano. Oh boy. Because he, he says, I'm an old man and I am going to have to face Christ the Lord who is my just judge. And he will ask me, did you know the truth and keep silent? Mm. Uh, th- that just that yeah. just takes my breath away. That just yeah. and for someone of of his age who's held the offices that he's had, I can easily imagine him asking himself that question. But you know, I think especially for our, our the younger members of our audiences and and new husbands and new fathers, you know, if you were suddenly called home to God tonight, you know, you might not have a lot of life to look back on. But you you have to. But if Christ said. Did you take the trouble to get to know me? Hmm. That's what I think a young man needs to be asking of himself. And Christ will say to you, if you had to die tonight, did you know me so well that not only did you order your whole life around preparing to meet me, but you taught others to do the same? When you know a part of your soul came to you in flesh and blood, through the love of you and your wife in the form of a child, were you prepared to give that child truth? Mm. And if not, what the hell were you doing that was so damn important? And for someone who is in, in middle years, you know, you're 35, 40, been married for a while, you're establishing a career, the gray is showing up, the waistline is expanding. <laughs> Can you give an account of how you've spent your time and your resources in the service of the truth? And if you're older, even older than me, and, and you're retired and things ache and they don't work as well as they used to, uh, Mortality is no longer just a concept or a hypothesis. You're starting to feel it a little bit more each morning. Did you, did you order your remaining days so that you knew the truth, so that you could hear his voice when he calls your name? That's what I think the great challenge for all of us is, regardless of our age, regardless of our vocation, we will have to meet truth face to face. And he's going to ask, do you know my face? Do you know my voice? Do you know the feel of my hands? Did you tell others about me? I think the the idea that, you know, you have to know truth, right? And it's, if we think about charity in and of itself, right? It's to seek and will the good of the other, 
It's, it's loving someone, right? And to love, we have to understand truth. And just as you both mentioned, you know, truth is to judge, truth is personal. Truth has walked among us in this world. He is sitting there with us in the tabernacles, in the Blessed Sacrament, waiting for us to come to Him to know Him. He is truth. And I believe it's in Hebrews, um, making foreshadowing Christ's comings, is we have an advocate that has been tested in every single way that we will. You want truth? Seek him. He is there waiting for you. You want to share it with your families? Know him. Because without knowing him, you can't give what you have not received. We have to open ourselves up to that, to that font of grace, to that love, to that truth that he has, so that we can share it with those in our careers, those that we encounter through this podcast, but most importantly, as husbands and fathers, to our wives and children, because our call as husbands and fathers is to ensure that we are Christ to them. Mm. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, gentlemen, um, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great way to, to conclude this, uh, this episode. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to, I want to thank both of you, uh, Cameron and father really for, for helping me and, uh, along in this journey of, of the, the furrow podcast and really tackling some of these important discussions, um, you know, on the need for cultivating men of truth. And for many uh, of the incredible discussions that we've had this year, uh, I think it's no coincidence really that we end season two on an episode dedicated to the pursuit of truth, because the truth we ultimately seek, as Father and Cameron have said, is a person, Jesus Christ, yes. who, who beckons us onward to run the race and fight the good fight so that at the end of our lives, we can be heirs to a world that will not pass away, a world that is founded upon the source of all life and being and is truth itself. Gentlemen, this is the art of living. And so if you're listening right now and you love the content that we're putting out uh, and or if you'd like to uh, make some suggestions for topics for season three, please consider sending us an email at the at gmail.com. So until 2019, this is Brandon Duncan, along with Cameron Davis and Father Robert McTague signing off. And when it comes to the pursuit of truth, stay thirsty, my friends. God bless you.